Welcome to the Big Dogs Podcast. This is James Fitzgerald. And who's sponsoring this episode today? You're supposed to start with sponsors, right? Today's sponsor is the sun. Yeah, you'll understand why. But uh, we're going to talk about golf, fitness and golf, and uh, how fitness can be applied to golf. And um, I'll try to discuss it uh, of the simple things that are required for individuals to play golf at a recreational level. Um, that's a very clear demarcation I'll start with. Um, of course, I'll use the background biases that I have of the overzealous strength conditioning market uh, for individuals uh, participating in sport. And I will not use a sport lens. I will uh, lean against the folly inside the sport lens and the rehab lens. They're, they're one and the same inside of golf, and we'll see it. Um, and talk about uh, the simplicity in terms of being, being uh, individuals being able to uh, play golf and enjoy it uh, for 50, 60 years. And uh, there I start with the intentions, the intentions of understanding fitness as it applies to golf um, is certainly a simple answer. And uh, that answer is uh, you play golf and you walk. That's the, that is the quick answer. We're only a minute 50 seconds in and I very well could, you could leave right now if you wish, um, because you could probably try to say, well, how in the hell is he going to speak for another 30 minutes on uh, expounding on walking and hitting balls? Um, but you have your answer. So if you want to be good at golf uh, as a recreational human, uh, that means recreating the concept of it. Uh, and you're going to play once a week for 60 years, which what I would hope is the intention. You need to learn and continue to maintain walking as a skill. And you need to be able to bend over and rotate uh, 90 times on average uh, for two to three hours. Under the sun. Ah, see, that's that's why it's sponsoring this episode today. Um. And, and that's the answer. So we're a couple minutes in, and I, I don't need to go much further than that. Um, but, of course, um, there would be so many questions um, uh, like, James, I mean, uh, I see these entire institutions. Uh, I see these online six-month programs. I see... A massive industry of of money making. I see uh, these courses set up for fitness for golf. I see uh, you know people actually creating um, online wearables, uh, uh, twenty thousand uh, dollar three D style uh, rotation analysis equipment for individuals. You know. It can't be the case that as simple as walking and uh, learning how to bend over and rotate numerous times. It can't be that. Um, and uh, that, that doesn't make your argument for it being that way correct. Meaning that just because Titleist or uh, a number of other companies exist 
as strength conditioning and educational groups that teach people how to get good at golf, um, that doesn't mean that that's the path forward for individuals to do physical expression to make them good at golf for 60 years once a week, uh, doing 90 bend over and rotates uh, and walking eight kilometers. Uh, that that actually makes it that actually should make you say, well, why is that in place? And uh, the simple answer to why it's in place, why that system is so robust, is that a uh, couple of similar things to multiple other areas. Um, you know, Nike, uh, you know, it's pretty virtuous to think you're an athlete. And so if you think you're an athlete and you see people out there doing the sport and it's uh, sensational, it, you know, you, you will then take the next steps, right? You'll think that you've got to be doing what they're doing. Right. Um, that's so that should make sense to us. Um, but we also, of course, the second part of it is we also have a really hard time of, uh, and that's why this medium of podcasting is so good because it just allows you to listen and sit with your own thoughts, right? I'm not in a room speaking to people where you're going to be embarrassed by looking around, recognizing that about the bullshit that you do, thinking that you're helping yourself become a better golfer or helping others become better golfers who are doing it for recreational purposes, um, is that uh, a lot of individuals' lifestyles are shit. Uh, a lot of individuals, uh, therefore, their metabolic flexibility is shit. Uh, therefore, a lot of people's mental acuity is shit. Therefore, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So if that is the case for a lot of individuals, then, of course, you would think that you need to have the athletic program that's going to make you better at golf when really it's just two things. Number one, take that proposition idea that athlete program is the right one, get rid of it. Okay. Now, secondly, fix your lifestyle. So if your lifestyle is better, you should be able to play golf and do 90, 90, N I N E T Y 90 bend over and rotates, uh, while walking eight K, uh, once a week for 60 years. Um, and, uh, how do you get good at walking 8K once a week over two to three hours and 90 bend overs? Uh, <laughs> so just gonna, every time I see someone golfing now, I'm just going to say bend over and rotate. <laughs> um, you know, how do you get good at that? You, you do that. You actually get good at walking and you get good at hitting balls. Now let's look at the uh, the simple aspect for the recreational golfer. What's under hitting balls? I'm just going to do some averages here, right? So if you play twice a week, okay, just double the number, right? If you play three times a week, triple the number, etc. But I'm just going to take an average. So you're going to hit uh, you're going to hit hit 90 times, okay? So that'd be 90 shots in an 18 hole course. And okay, I can hear the arguments now. You know, well, take into consideration handicap, or a lot of people hit 110, or a lot of people fluff balls, or do warmups, or just shut up. Okay, just use 90 as a number. Okay, so that means you're you're hitting 90 shots. Now, 90, it's not all 90 hard shots. And now this gets into the mechanics around each shot. Okay, and the mechanics are important because this is physical expression, which is tied into what you should be doing for physical contractions, right? So you're going to do 18 putts, <laughs> maybe, maybe 54 for some of us like myself. Uh, so maybe you're doing uh, 20 to 30 putts. Okay. Are these hard bend over and rotates? No, they're not. Okay. Now the, you, you may do 18, 
drives off the T. Okay, so are these harder contractions? Yeah, they're a little harder. Okay, so we're just going to bucket into harder, harder contractions. I'm just giggling because there's no fucking way that I only do 18. Um, I actually won't unfold all the cheating that I do when I play golf uh, to the purists. It would drive them insane, uh, like hitting whatever many balls I want off the tee unless it's perfect, uh, you know, losing 10 to 15 balls per round and not giving a shit, etc. Okay? <laughs> but you're doing 18 off the tee, and those are fairly hard. Now, that means that there's this middle zone of 60 to 70 moderate contractions, okay? And those are... Um, uh, what, what are we calling it? In the lane, right? They're uh, long, long uh, irons. They're short irons. They're out of the, they're uh, wedges. They're out of the sand, etc. Okay, but these aren't really hard contractions. Now this is important, okay? Because if you're spending, you know, eight thousand dollars as a coach, fitness coach, or if you're spending eight thousand dollars over four months on a personal trainer, um. Don't forget to ask the question, um, what kinds of contractions are involved in the sport and why am I doing all this nonsense of kettlebell flow and deadlifting and cable work and sprinting and plyometrics and weightlifting? How in the hell is that like hitting a three, hitting a three iron and the contractions that are inside of it? Doesn't it just require bending over and rotating and and with good mental acuity and just hitting the ball in the, in the right position. Isn't that what's required? So inside of that, how in the hell is all that fitness paraphernalia involved in you making you better at the three iron? Think about that, right? Um, you, can go, you can go on and on with cherry picking and making your story work because maybe you're selling this, this idea to people um, as a coach, or maybe uh, you see a trainer in your gym working with a professional who's in golfing. Um, that's a different program, different intentions, right? You're not looking to make uh, five million per year. You're not looking to make a hundred thousand per year. You're not looking for a title of sponsorship, right? I'm not speaking to that crowd. And if there's anyone out there listening who is a coach of individuals who are pros, it's this will just be folly for you, folly in terms of your intellectual um, capacity. Um, but it probably won't apply to what you're going to be doing in practices because a lot of the stuff that, anyways, I have seen um, or I've done with, let's call them amateur golfers, who take it very seriously but are not getting the million-dollar contracts, um, like my friend uh, Spencer does with John Rahm, um, you know, that's a whole different, that's a whole different show. I mean, that's a uh, complex, um, a lot of things to take into consideration with the nervous system. A lot of things to take into consideration with the training age of the individual. A lot of things to take consideration with culture. A lot of things to take into consideration with mindset. A lot of things to take into consideration of creating resilience, both, um, internal terrain resilience and external resilience. Uh, for, you know, navigating the sport. Um, as an example, you know, they could do 30 weekends a year where they actually compete, you know, for 18 holes, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. 30 weekends per year of 18, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. 
Now, do I need to repeat that? Maybe it's 26 times a year. Maybe it's 40 times. You know, you see my point? That is like a whole different country, which applies a whole different protocol. And so everything underneath that, including uh, renting out Harmon to give you some tips and pay a, th a thousand bucks for a three hour session. Um, none of that shit applies to what I'm talking about. So let's back up and think about the balls that are hit and what's required. So then we can get into some of it, you know, so for walking, that's going to be a fairly simple one, but, uh, I guess I should say that, uh, are, are you really playing golf if you take a cart? <laughs> um, I can hear the booze right now. Um, but uh, that's not the purest in me. But um, you know, I guess that's a third element here. If you're if you're riding carts, um, that probably takes away the necessary requirement of learning how to walk and being enduring. Because um, if you don't, if you know what I'm saying, if you're playing three times a week and you don't walk at all, like you walk what 400 meters, right? you know, to go from your cart to the ball and then back, you know, you can't argue that, oh, well, well, walking's still healthy, right? Oh, sure, sure, walking's healthy, but it's not going to make you better at golf because you just take the cart all the time. So I'm talking about those who are going to be walking the whole time, um, playing real golf, and, um, and you walk roughly, you know, it could be 7,500 meters, it could be 10,000 meters, you know, let's call it 8,000 meters, okay? You're walking 8K, right? That's not that's not a joke, you know? Um, and you're carrying something, you know? It's a, it's a moderate carry. Uh, you could be pushing with wheels, but, you know, let's let's just put it in that area where walking is important. Well, then you got to be good at walking. Um, and therefore, for your training for golf, you need to walk often, right? Because you want to make the time that you play golf, which is 8,000 meters, you want to make it easy. So how do you make 8,000 meters easy? You walk often. So the frequency can be as much as you want. It could be every day. Clinical Pearl, I would suggest walking different terrains every day. And I would suggest walking up to 60 to 90 minutes, even two hours on some of those, right? And you're not, don't worry, you're not like looking for a zone, heart rate. Um, no, you're, you're looking to be out in the environment, in nature, you know? So if you're living locally in Scottsdale, Go hike uh, the Sonoran Preserve. Another day, do an asphalt walk. I do an asphalt walk every day around here. Uh, asphalt would be like your classic New York City or I can't say San Francisco. It's got a lot of hills, but, you know, classic uh, concrete jungle walk. Just walk around, you know. Uh, another day, walk on a treadmill for 60 to 90 minutes. You know, let's do a podcast or something. Uh, another day, go walk in the woods. Um, I don't get access to woods around here. Uh, only every couple of weekends when we go to Payson or go north or et cetera. Others may be in a different area. We do have access. You get my point. Okay. Just make the environment varied and do it often. And that consistently done over a period of time. So if you're like, well, I don't walk a lot. Well, then walk 20 minutes every day and then build that to 30, et cetera. And if you're like, oh, I don't have time, well, then just leave the podcast. You know, I don't, want, I don't know what to tell you, right? If you don't have time to walk and learn how to walk, well, then you got time to take a cart. Um, so walking is really key. Um, and uh, I guess if you're still here and you're listening, 
Um, I just want to take a pause second to recognize just how simple of a skill that is, that is, uh, that people want to like regress and, uh, just turn our back on, but it's a skill that's, that's used. So why should people sprint in training for golf? That makes no sense. Why should people do cycling or high intensity Peloton? It makes no sense whatsoever. I don't care if you're flexed at the hip and your legs are moving. I don't care if it's heart rate cardiovascular and Steven Steven up on the 37th floor in New York city is, is doing a class to 10,000 people at one time. And you're like, but I like Steven. I don't care about Steven. It's not carrying over to you being good at golf. So relinquish all that bullshit, regressive ideas. And just remember that your base support of one of the major things that are required to be good at recreational golf is walking. And just, you know, remember inside there that, if you're not walking and you're taking a cart, um, you're not playing golf. <laughs> I just wanted to get the boos and the hisses again. I really should have better um, like tech here so that like we could, I could press a button and you could all hear it every time I say it. But but you get my point. So if you're not if you're you know I'm not I don't I still love you if you're taking a cart. I'm just saying that um, uh, then really all you need to get good at golf is just to hit balls and uh, practice good lifestyle. Okay, so if you're not going to take a cart, if you're going to take a cart, um, this next portion of hitting balls and the mechanics around that um, will give you an idea as to what you should do, right? And uh, so, so there's two things you need to be really good at to be to do fitness for golf. Uh, number one, we're all making the assumption you want to do this for 60 years once a week, right? For two to three hours, walking 8K and doing 90 bend over and rotates. Okay, so that's what we're agreeing on. And remember, we're agreeing on 50 to 60 years of doing it. I don't give a shit if you're like, well, you know, I'm 56 and I'm old and out of shape. And uh, I, I just want to like be really good at this because I'm having a midlife crisis and my wife didn't allow me to buy a motorcycle. And so this is my time to escape and get out there and be alone and be really good at something. <laughs> That was unfair. That was really unfair. But you get my point. Is like I, I don't care. So when you start at fifty six, I don't care. The goal should still be safely doing it one time a week for fifty two weeks of the year. For and if it's not that, then if it's only in the summer where you have six months of the year where you can only play for six months, then I get it, right? So you're going to be doing maybe twice a week for those six months, but still, it's going to add up to you doing it for sixty years. I hope you get my drift on that. Right. So I don't give a shit if you're 56 and you have all these emotional connections to wanting to get out there and really do something. It's just going to end up in back pain. Next thing you know, three years later, you got a personal trainer, you got a swing coach, you got expensive clubs, you got all the money spent on tech, right? It's like the cla it's the classic story of the, uh, the older individual who's over fat, who has a heart attack, but yet they biked, you know, every Sunday for six hours impressively with their friends on a $10,000 bike. Right. Just think about that story. Right. So all the tech is there to make it as simple as possible, but what wasn't there building the engine to allow them to express that effectively. Sorry if I went off there and you couldn't catch it, but it's the same thing no matter where you start. The whole intention has to be 
you want to do this for 50 to 60 years. Why only 50 to 60? I'm just going to make an assumption those who have the years to listen are over 20 right now. And uh, I can just tell you, you're not doing this when you're 97. Get your head out of the gutter. gutter. So it's it's 60 years, okay? And uh, I think that's a pretty damn great, admirable goal to try to do it, be consistent, and love the aspect of the beautiful notion of the game of golf. Um, could have a whole episode by itself with Sam Smith sitting next to me here on the the wonderment and uh, the beauty around strategy and the mind and all those fascinating things that that happen about games and why we love games and why we love uh, inter games, games inside of us, right? Strategies, uh, fighting off that little devil that's on our shoulder, um, you know, having having presence, having peace on a shot, you know, T you know, having two good shots out of ninety-seven, right? That's I remember those. I can clearly. I'm uh, just remembering one of it. I saw a great blue heron on the course. Um, I, I hit a, was it a three wood or fairway wood? Uh, Tom, my wife's father, um, told me to go around the water. And I decided not to. And I just bent over and I hit the ball, you know. And it, it doesn't doesn't mean that doesn't create any judgment whatsoever on how good I or good I'm not at golf, but I fucking landed that thing, you know, a couple of feet from the pin. And this was in Florida on Tamiami Trail many Christmases ago. Anyways, do you see what I'm saying? Those are the shots I remember, right? And if I, you know, if I was to continue to do it and want to be, you know, I would want to have more of those experiences every time I played. So the question remains, well, how does a recreational golfer get more of those experiences? I hit balls and I walk. That's it. That's how I gain more experience at it, right? I don't take uh, a pre-workout beta alanine, you know, nitric oxide, something or other to get mental acuity and uh, some kind of on it, you know, uh, protocol, brain enhancing thingamajiggy <laughs> no I, I i get to the i get to the fair or sorry i get to the driving range uh two to three times a week um and i hit you know 90 to 250 balls and i should do some putts i should do uh 50 of my shot should be uh fairway irons and 25 percent of my shots in that practice should be uh, off the tee, i.e. your first shot, you know, we'll call them woods or what do we call them today? I don't even know. Iron, uh, fucking these big headed pieces of metal. Yeah, that's what, you know, just listen, I'm taking the angle of a recreational golfer, right? I'm not going to, I'm not taking the, the Tiger Woods angle here as to what you should do, nor am I taking the overzealous coach as to what you should do, right? I'm taking the perspective of what are we trying to get out of that? So walking and hitting balls. Um, when you hit balls, it goes back to realizing what's in the game. I already said that, you know, 18 holes, five, six, seven shots, a hole. I don't know. One of them is easy, right? Putting. Two of them is easy, possibly, or like me, 
It's three or four easy shots, right? Three or four easy bend over and rotates. Uh, there's two to three moderate ones, and there's one hard one. That's what happens every hole, right? So let's say, so you can remember it, it's a hundred. It's a hundred bend over and rotates, but it's only 18 of them that are really hard, and 50 of them are somewhat hard. So really, we're only looking at like 60 to 70 fairly challenging bend over and rotates with multiple different positions, right? How do you get good at multiple different positions? You hit balls during the week. Um, there's 8,000 meters of walking involved and it's two to three hours of being mentally acute. You're also doing it when the sun is out, right? Heart rate is super low, blood pressure is super low, body temperature is probably a little bit elevated, just trying to give you an idea as to what's the environment of the actual thing we're talking about. It looks nothing like high-intensity interval training on a Peloton. It looks nothing like a 60-minute personal training session where you're learning how to touch your toes. It looks nothing like that. I'm not saying there aren't any benefits in those two examples that actually end up being 60 examples that are not beneficial for people to just be vital. I'm not talking about just vital. We're talking about playing golf for 60 years. Is it possible that people could eat really good, sleep well, stay hydrated, play golf once a week, and also hit balls two to three times a week and be really fucking healthy? I totally believe that. I totally believe that. Right? But because it's not obvious, right? Just go to any golf course and see all the expensive gear and expensive clothing and expensive tech. You don't see very many like vital individuals walking around who play golf, who are 50 to 80 years of age, right? So that doesn't make, doesn't, doesn't make it not possible that individuals can recreationally play golf. See what I said is the assumptions though, right? Sleep, stay hydrated, eat well, right? Because if you do that, you don't have to hire a personal trainer to, to get increased flexibility or rotation of the hips. No, you stop eating like an asshole. Right? You stop drinking three nights a week. Right? So you can see this is where it, it's just fucking, it's all mediocrity when it, when it goes down that road. You're just trying to fix shit. You're trying to fix people. Right? So fix the shit that's important. Right? Don't try to duct tape it. Right? Don't, try, don't say, oh, well, it's definitely this brain supplement pre-golf three times a week that's going to help you plus a swing coach plus mobility every night plus right you're giving them all these prescriptions right and, and where does all those prescriptions come from of course from the performance or rehabilitative market which sells the entire thing right look inside of all the education of fitness for golf it's all rehabilitative protocols right uh, so many people have fucked up backs playing golf. Okay, keep going on that question. Why is that? It's not because the programs are wrong. It's because people's lifestyles were shit and they overreached in the expression of golf. So how do you fix that before you even get into offering some kind of programming? You make their lifestyles better and you progress them more effectively. So who are the resources and actual coaches that can help? It's actually someone who's at the golf course who sees someone and this, this individual says, I want to be recreational golfer. And they go, great. Let's just see what you, where you need to start on hitting balls. And let's get into this rhythm. We're going to play once a week. 
We're going to stay within our buffer zone for your range of motion and how many balls you're going to hit based upon like where I see you and the things you need to work on. And you're going to get your ass in here three times a week just to hit balls and progressively add volume under good range of motion. But when you leave this place, if you, if you treat yourself like a piece of shit at any point in time, which comes back and screws up this motor learning that's going to happen here, I just want to let you know I'm going to charge you more. <laughs> or our relationship is over. Do you see what I'm saying? So if you're not willing to do the hard thing to that person who comes into the golf course, right, as a person, as a coach who's there at the golf course, you know, helping the recreational golfer, then you're just you're just selling fantasy, right? So I, I told you what's involved in the course, and I, I know that me, and this is why it's good as this medium that you could just be walking now, or maybe you're playing around to golf, listening to this. I hope not. It's it's basically walking for eight k and bending over and rotating ninety times. Okay, that's it, right? That's it. Stop with your butt. Now there's nothing more than that. You know, stop with the, well, it's all one-sided. Therefore we need to do symmetrical uh, symmetry training and we need to figure out force production of rotation of the, of the humerus into the feet. No, that's important for the pro who had back pain after six years. That's important for them. Right? Why? Because, you know, those little quarter inches matter. Remember I said, if, you know, if you're concerned about rotation, this human has to adapt to hitting one way. You're not going to become an ambidextrous golfer, right? Actually, that's very higher order. That's a little bit mind-blowing there. Anyways, I could have backed up and said that you should be able to hit both sides maybe. No, that's too much. Anyways, you're going to hit one way. That's not unhealthy. I think we think it's unhealthy because people overreach, right? They want to be a long drive champion or they want to be a pro and they're doing it too often. Well, how do you fix that? Well, number one, you say, well, you're not a fucking pro and you'll never be one. Okay, next, you have to you have to keep progressing only based upon what you can do. That's where I said the golf pro has to be like, listen, have you played any golf? No. Then you're just going to hit like 20, 30 balls every couple of days. And then we're going to play around together. And I'm going to teach you about the rules of the game and professionalism and, and uh, etiquette and strategy and emotional control and all these things. You know, and then over time, Every week it gets better. Every week you can hit more balls. Every week, you know, you increase range of motion. How are you improving range of motion? You're not doing it because you got a range of motion, a Pilates instructor or a yoga instructor, right? Or this uh, coach giving you a mobility program that you're watching uh, on a computer screen and practicing in your, in your living room six nights a week that eventually ends after three weeks. No, you, you become more hydrated. Uh, you walk outdoors more. Uh, you become less inflamed from the shitty foods that you're having. You stop drinking. Do you see how that's the harder version? But the harder way is always the right way. The harder way is the right way for that. And uh, and with regards to the hitting balls, let's just pick apart, you know, bending over and rotating. At, besides the argument I just made for everyone screaming, oh, core control, uh, diaphragmatic you need to do DNS protocols for golfers and get them on their back because of developmental something or other, you know, and they get up to this lunge pattern and Turkish get-ups are important and 
Swings are important because they get to pack their position and you just wrap all this up, right? You're wrapping all this up. And the golfer, I could just picture the golf, the golfer who's just starting is looking at you like, okay, whatever, <laughs> whatever you think goes. I think that's a great idea, you know? And someone needs to come in the middle there and be like, this is horse shit. Like all that shit's stupid, right? No, hit some balls, hit some balls with great precision two, three times a week, walk every day and just get better at it and play around a week. You know, that's how you, that's how you get good. So look inside the structure, bend over and rotate. I already told you, you're only doing it 18 times. I remember listening to Paul Check speak for hours on the, the violence that's inside of the rotation and golfing. I read a book on it that was mind blowing. I offered courses that were really popular at the YMCA for golfing. Mainly those were older age individuals that showed up. So you, you know what the program turned into. It turned into twice a week. I remember it, it was Monday and Wednesday nights. They used to give us this little square footage in a freaking studio space. And it ended up being just people learning how to move better, like with patterns, right? Um, so basically it was a rehab program. If it was the best program, I would have said, I'm also going to take you to the, to the uh, course and driving range. And I'm going to get a really good professional to come up and figure out where every person is with regards to range of motion and things they need to fix right away with regards to hitting balls. And then we'd walk all the time. That's what I would have done because that would have reverse engineered all the metabolic shit. That would have reverse engineered all the like general fitness areas, right? But if you look at that, bend over and rotate, right? Yes, there is some angles that are differences. But I think the biggest thing that's important for that is mental acuity. It's got nothing to do with deadlifting or kettlebell swings. Kettlebell swings are actually the stupidest movement for golfing. If you think really hard about that, that's the dumbest movement, right? A forward momentum of the hips, that's horrible for golf. There's no lunging, there's no pushing, there's no pulling, there's no squatting, there's no inversion, no pull-ups, etc., 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 right? No, it's a slight bend at the hips and it's a rotation, okay? So I can hear, hear all the arguments abound again. But what about the elbow issues? And what about the shoulders? And people are too tight and they can't do it. Then you should only rotate in the range of motion. That's This is what a good coach can see, right? They just say this. Listen, well, you're only going to hit 100-yard balls. That's it. Oh, but I got I to gotta hit 200 because everyone else is. Uh, I'm sorry. You can get whatever tech and new clubs you want to hit that. You can't rotate that far. Oh, well, what's going to allow me to rotate more? Hitting balls. How is that? Well, if you stay within your range of motion and you teach your body how to bend over and rotate efficiently, it'll start adapting to that. Now, this is all done with the idea in mind that people have started with small progressions of bending over and rotating. If they learn how to do that with the skill of golfing inside of it, I really do think it's a complete waste of time to offer any form of strength and conditioning on the outside that resembles that pattern. So if you wanted to find a little middle zone here, if you're a person listening in who likes recreational golf, or if you're a coach who likes training people for golf, maybe you need to go to the course with that person as if you're a coach, right? Uh, it might be illegal, so you may want to get the okay from people who are professionals at the course um, and go up to hit balls with them and just like watch, you know, as a, as a biomechanist, I don't need to 
know a whole ton about golf to know when people say, oh, you know, that felt really smooth and the ball was, was a nice, nice hit, right? You know, but you can all, always tell those who are super tight, um, who try to overreach it, they rotate more through the arms relative to the hit. Like, you know, it, but again, this, I'm not, I'm not creating great language of it because I'm not the pro, but a pro would be able to look at that, I would hope, and go, yeah, this is the range of motion you should be in. And do you know how we're going to improve that range of motion? As you hit more and more balls, the range of motion will improve because that adaptation occurs. Right? And so I'm very purist in that sense, right? I'm saying, yes, I do not think it's, it's anyone's uh, benefit to have that person go home and to do shoulder and back stretching programs. I think, personally, that's a waste of time. I also think it's quite possibly causing more injury over time. I'll just bucket that, put a pin in it for maybe another time. Do you know what's going to increase the range of motion? Hitting balls with a good eye, someone watching them frequently, not out of reach, and and fixing their lifestyle, right? So if that older person doesn't walk or want to walk six days a week for 90 minutes, then you can see I'm not even, I don't even want to get in the conversation, right? They're like, oh, but he's, he's older, so he needs to take a cart. Okay, that's fine. Then you're just going to have to increase your range of motion by hitting balls and doing it within a range of motion that's going to improve things. Oh, but, you know, I've seen all this research of back pain caused by, yeah, but all the people that they researched for back pain or recreational golfers, did you decide to do the little bit more ans asking the questions? Do they drink five times a week at night? You know, three, three glasses? Right? Do they eat uh, uh, 275 grams of uh, sugar during the day? Do they get 30 grams of protein in the day? Do they have one vegetable uh, every second day? Do you see what I'm saying? None of that information is unfolded. So we just put it into this mechanical you know, uh, model and think that that's the answer for how we're going to fix all those flexibility wo woes for the older golfer. It's not. So I, I know you can leave here and go, well, um, you know what? That doesn't happen out there. And I think it's just too hard to ask people to do that shit. So I'm, okay, that's fine. We'll go somewhere else. Go spend $8,000 on a Titleist course, right? And duct tape everything. Make sure they're wearing their aura ring through the course. Uh, make sure they have really expensive clubs and now a poor relationship at home. Make sure they have all the pre-workout supplementation to get them around, right? Make sure they're taking Red Bulls every six holes. Make sure on the ninth hole or whatever it's called, the fucking halfway point where people drink, make sure they get their alcoholic beverage, right? Make sure they put their sunscreen on. See this? All this is duct taping, right? It's all duct taping and it's all energy placed into thinking that all the training goes into helping that recreational golfer. Is that? Actually, it's not. It's a, it's a rehab program. It's basically duct taping. The entire thing is duct taping, right? So how, how would how would one get good at recreational golf using fitness as a base support? You walk and you get really good at walking, really good at walking, uh, walking lots, and um, and I could I could go on for probably twenty minutes on how walking is a great metabolic and mechanical benefit for golf. I shall not, but just know that there's a lot in it, right? the walking with different environments, walking frequency and walking progression I already talked about. And, you know, bend over and rotate lots of times in the week. 
right? And one of those times in the week, I would hope you're going to play a round of golf. If you play two or three times, that's fantastic, right? During the summer, I got to get it. Then that means in the off season, you should be doing some form of playing golf, whether that's quote unquote, you know, AI style, hitting balls, uh, you know, this is the classic, this would be the classic meta version of it. Uh, you have a treadmill at home, right? And uh, you just pretend, right? Carry a bag, walk on the treadmill, right? Carry a backpack, walk on the treadmill, listen to a podcast. Okay, get off the treadmill, take your pack off, put it down, you know, hit a ball, right? Hit a ball into a net in your basement. Okay, get back into the treadmill, walk, walk with the bag, right? This is very new age, right? Modern style of thinking. This is, that's training. But what are you doing there? You're walking and you're hitting balls. That's it. That's how you're going to improve your fitness for golfing. Now, again, if you're like, oh, people are not going to do that. It's cold here. They don't have a treadmill at home. <laughs> they come up with, provide, an, provide a solution then. Stop complaining to me. Provide a solution to what you're going to do. How are you going to mimic that? But to think that they're, you know, in the off season in the winter, Peloton and a CrossFit class is going to be their off-season training for golf. I'm just going to tell you that over time, you're going to have some issues. Yeah, you're going to have some issues. And you're going to have a whole program dedicated in time to duct taping the whole thing. And then when they have back problems later on, you, you won't know them because they need to go to another coach to get a rehab program. And uh, now they pay more money for a golf pro and higher tech for their clubs. And they don't have you anymore. Why? Because you basically uh, indirectly injured them. So to back up big picture, walk lots and do some bend over and rotates uh, 90 to 100 times uh, once a week. Um, and then two to three times a week, hit balls. And uh, I gave you the percentages to what that should look like. Uh, get yourself a pro to look at your range of motion, skill, etc. Don't get into a whole bunch of other shit um, that uh, you're, you think you're leading the, uh, the athlete lifestyle of golfing. You don't actually do anywhere near what's required for that. Therefore, the program to prepare you for it is not even close to being the same.